button. Testing, one, two, three. Testing. Here I am, testing. Well, what a privilege to be here this morning and to uh, bring you greetings and to uh, look into the word of the Lord together. It's always a joy and a privilege to come here to, to Bathurst and, and with uh, visiting our family, with our children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and it's just a pleasure and a joy to be here. So, And over the years, some of your faces have become more familiar than others, and uh, I, I don't dream about any of you, and so, but, we, but we do pray. We do pray for you that God will bless you. And uh, Pam has a really special relationship with her mother, and, and uh, there's probably not many days go by that she doesn't touch base or say hi or just that type of thing. And so that always is a highlight. And she's always talking about what the Lord is doing, and whether it's the children or a testimony or somebody's healed or somebody's, some miracle, some provision. I don't, it just goes on and on. I've never tried to document it, but sometimes I've been tempted. I should, we should write a book about Pam's calls, you know what I mean? And I'll leave that up to my wife. She's the writer more than I am, even though I'm, she says that I'm more of a talker than she is. I, I don't necessarily think that's right, but that's the way it works. Uh, the story is told about a young girl who went to her mother one day and wanted, and this is one of those stories, those preacher stories, of course, but how she went to her mother and said, Mom, what... Uh, uh, where, where, where do people come from? Where do I come from? And so her mother went into the story and told her all about Adam and Eve and how that God created the world in the beginning. And, and the little girl was satisfied with that. And a few days later, she saw her dad. And she said, Dad, and she asked the same question. Where, where do we come from? So he, being more you know, scientifically, quote unquote, minded, said, well, he began to explain evolution and talked about monkeys and told her that she had come from monkeys and people, etc. And so, and so the little girl was confused and went to talk to her mom later and said, Mom, I don't understand. What's, what, why, what, what's going on here? And, and, and uh, where did we really come from? She says, well, dear, don't you worry about it. She said, I was talking about my side of the family <laughs> and he was talking about his side of the family. So... <laughs> That's the most tongue-in-cheek I can be this morning. So anyway, God bless you. We, we live in, uh, we, we just want to say thank you for the invitation to be here today. And it's, a, it's always a privilege and a joy. And uh, we just also want to say that we live in uh, uh, times today in which we, there's controversy surrounding us. Um, if you watch the news, you see the crisis in Afghanistan. You uh, have observed the, the uh, earthquake in, in Haiti, and you've seen the loss of lives that surround us. Uh, we're on the end or the tail end of the COVID pandemic. Um, we, we see those types of things that are happening, and, and are, we're challenged. And uh, we <clears throat> pause to think about what, you know, what the future will hold, and, some, and we're really not sure. We're facing a federal election next month, and uh, so that those are always challenges, always opportunities. And if there's anything I would encourage you to do is get out and vote, do a lot of praying, but don't neglect your privilege to vote or your right to vote. And so take advantage of that. And we pray that God will set in authority those who are supposed to be there. Gwen and I just celebrated our 50th anniversary. And so we've been married... 
Last weekend we were away. We would travel down to the social Shore, Nova Scotia, where we were married, and attended church in Lockport, actually, my home church. And so it was a special joy and a special privilege. And uh, I just uh, am always appreciative and impressed by my wife's patience and her, and her, uh, her, her courage in spending 50 years with us. But anyway, God bless her. <laughs> the... Um, we want to look for a while this morning to the word of Hebrews chapter 12, and uh, we're reading the first couple of verses, but therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which easily, so easily ensnares us, and let us run with patience or with endurance the race that is set before us. And verse 2 is really the, where we want to spend our time this morning. I'll be back to verse 1 in a few moments, but it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So for the joy that was set before him. We want to talk for a while this morning about the joy of the cross. And uh, this is a, a, probably an outline that I've, picked up somewhere along the road. I think it was handfuls of purpose, I think, but I'm not sure. But it was a, uh, it's something that, that highlights the message that Jesus, or the, that I'll give Paul the credit for writing Hebrews, that, uh, that Paul highlighted in the life of Christ and the calling and ministry and giftings. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. You know, it's, uh, it's fitting, it, it's fixing one's eyes trustingly looking unto Jesus. Fixing one's eyes trustingly, we need to consistently focus on Christ instead of our own circumstances. Regardless of what our name is or what the circumstances that we live in are, we need to set our eyes on Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. Regardless of what your concerns or fears or issues may be in the present or looking at the future, we need to look unto Jesus. So that really is the beginning of our walk with God, whether we've been saved for a week, six months, or 60 years, are we need to look unto Jesus. So looking unto Jesus, that's what Paul tells us in Hebrews. He says, for the joy the, finish, the, the author and finisher of our faith. For the joy that was set before him. So the context favors uh, for the sake of not be, instead of the joy, for the sake of the joy that was set before him. And so because of, for the joy that was set for him, before him, for the sake of the joy that was set before him, we see that he endured the cross despising the shame. The uh, few years ago, the Passion of the Christ video was produced and came out in theaters and movies. And I watched the CD. We got a copy of it. I went and bought it. A very gruesome, 18-plus uh, restricted movie because of the torture and the cruelty that was depicted on Christ's uh, whipping, his crucifixion, etc., etc., Something that you should be very careful as far as showing children are concerned. I, I always, I, I don't, you know, that you have to be wise in that. But certainly, his, 
The Bible tells us that he was marred, his visage was marred beyond any other person, that the gruesomeness of that passion of the Christ probably accurately depicts what Jesus suffered. So I don't know if you've ever watched it or not, or if you have memories of it, but, it, uh, but he took his cross willingly. Jesus suffered for me. He died in my place. He paid the price for my sin, for your sin, for each of us. He took it willingly and was at length nailed to it, endured a painful, shameful, and a cursed death. Because cursed is everyone, the Bible says, who hangs upon a cross or the tree. And he was, he was, you know, he was numbered with the transgressors. All the reproaches that were cast upon him, both in this life and in his death, he was despised. He was infinitely above them. He despised the shame. He, he, did, he did not let the shame or the embarrassment or the burden defeat him. It, it did not bring him to a point of, of, uh, uh, of, of rejection, of rejecting the cross, but he accepted it. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane when he prayed and he says, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And so we see involved in all of that pre-knowledge and all of that actual experience in all of the, 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 the our assessment and looking back at it, the, the, the scripture records that he despised the shame. He did not let it, it change him or influence him or alter his course but he said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Even though he prayed, he said he sweat as there were great drops of blood and his agony of prayer in times in the garden. And so we find that Jesus despised the shame and, and that, he, that he has sat down. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The reward of his suffering. He has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He is Christ as mediator. Uh, he, is, he, you know, he is exalted as a station of highest favor, of the greatest power and influence. He is at the right hand of the Father. And uh, Matthew Henry tells us, nothing passes between heaven and earth but by him. He does all that is done. He ever lives to make intercession for his people. Uh, that's where Jesus is. That's where he sits, and yet he is omnipresent. But that's the position, that's the place, that's the, what, what the cross, the resurrection brought him to so that he is our, our advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And we find that he has sat down at the right hand of the throne on high. And Stephen, as he was being martyred, the first martyr in the church in the, in the book of Acts, tells us, he's, I see Jesus. I see Jesus standing at the Father's right hand. And so uh, we, 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 can, we have that picture. We have that that. Uh, uh, the, the, the one that is, can electrify our hearts and one that can lift us beyond ourselves and one that can challenge us when we realize the, the, the life that Jesus lived. And Paul, he went on and said that, talk, talk, spoke to the church at Hebrews. He said, he said you know, be, be encouraged for you have not yet suffered unto death. He said, sin is not yet. Stand against it and be strong in the Lord. And so be of good courage for, we have, for he has overcome the world. But we want to go back for a few moments this morning and, and focus on the joy that was set before Jesus. There's joys that were set before Jesus, and, and there are joys that we share in today because there are aspects not only of, uh, of him leading the way, but of, of providing for us. 
We see redemption joy. The price of man's sin was huge. The world lived as slaves to sin. The price was beyond calculation, but Jesus willingly paid it. He, he, he could look at each person's sin and know that he was paying the price for their sin. You can think in your past and you can remember the burden of guilt that you felt when the Holy Spirit brought it into focus and you made a decision that was a place of surrender and repentance and said, God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. And, and Jesus saved you, set you free, lifted the burden, and you walked away free. Jesus he bore that. It was redemption joy, that joy that you felt, that joy that you experienced. He knew he was purchasing salvation with every drop of blood that was shed. Jesus knew that that was what he was accomplishing. And he took joy in paying the price for your sin, for the joy that was set before him, it says. So it was redemption joy, first of all. He experienced redemption joy mixed with agony when he was crucified. And then we see there's resurrection joy. So there's the redemption joy and there's resurrection joy. And we know that Jesus, well, Easter Sunday, every, every year we celebrate and it comes into focus and on our calendars and in the world we, it is always celebrated, it's a holiday. And many times it doesn't go beyond that in significance. But for you and I, or for Jesus that day, it was the, it was the emptying of the tomb. <coughs> Excuse me. I told man I better have a bottle of water just in case. Sometimes I get dry, sometimes I don't. But when I get dry, I need water. So, oh, there's a nice little shelf here. There you go. It uh, saves me from bending over since I turned seven. I'll be 71 next month, and now when I, I've reached that stage, I never could understand it. When you bend over, you, you to pick something up. You always look around and see what else you can do while you're down there. You know. <laughs> now I understand it. You know. <laughs> Shelves are helpful. <laughs> you know, Jesus knew when he was crucified, he was going to rise again. So he became a participant, a partaker of the joy that was set before him, which was going to be a resurrection joy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Aren't you looking forward? I mean, I'm not looking forward to dying. You know what I mean? But I'm looking forward to the resurrection. Praise the Lord. I mean, Jesus for the joy that was set before him. And it really kind of puts more into focus when we think about the resurrection, we think about people that we knew or people that have died, people that, that you knew and that, loved, that you loved and, and that loved the Lord. And they're, they've passed away and they're in the presence of God. And you know that there's going to come a day when you're going to see them again. And it's going to be through the resurrection. Hallelujah. What a day that will be. You know, Jesus knew the resurrection joy when he was crucified. It says he would, that he would rise again, praise the Lord. So we said for the joy that was set before him. And we know that there's Holy Spirit joy. Jesus knew that the day of Pentecost was coming. He told his disciples, go to Jerusalem. You know, tarry you in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. You know? And we know that they went to Jerusalem after the crucifixion, and 50 days after Jesus' you know, crucifixion, that the Holy Spirit came when the day of Pentecost was fully come, and they were all in one place with one accord. And the Word tells us the Spirit of the Lord came and descended upon, upon the church. 
And the 120 were in that, in that upper room, began to, you know, they cloven tongues like as a fire came and sat upon each of them. And mighty rushing wind filled the house, you know, and, and, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. And, and men took knowledge of these people that they uh, had been with Jesus because they recognized the same Spirit was upon them that had been upon Jesus. And it, because Jesus knew that the church was going to have that, the joy of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit joy, you know, tells us in Acts chapter 10 of how God anointed with Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Ghost, and with power, who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. But God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with the Holy Ghost and with power. You know, the joy of the Holy Spirit. I remember when I was 12 years of age, God baptized me in the Holy Spirit at an altar there in Lawport. I was reflecting on it when we were back there last Sunday and just thinking, and remembering back to that day and back to that night when God baptized me as a 12-year-old boy in the, in, the, in the Holy Spirit. And what a tremendous joy it was. I had an older brother, and we, Peter, and he's still living, and we're still chatting and talking, and great, great friends as well as brothers. And uh, I remember we, we used to wrestle a lot. He was a year and a half older, but I was catching him up in size. You know, I'm still, I've, I passed him before very long. But we used to wrestle, and I remember he got me in a headlock after that service we got home, and he got me in a headlock, and he was hanging on, and he wanted to wrestle, and I just said, oh, I, I, had, no, I had no fight in me. I, ju I just wanted to hug him, you know what I mean? I was, just, I was filled with love and filled with joy. Now, that didn't last forever, you can believe that, for a 12-year-old, you know. But I do know this, that Jesus, when he was on the cross, and when he was facing the cross, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. And one of those joys was the privilege and the awesomeness of the work and person of the Holy Spirit who fills our hearts and lives even today in the church of Jesus Christ. And what a privilege and what a provision that he has made for he said, I will send another comforter. Aren't you glad that the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the infilling of the Holy Spirit is Jesus' idea, is Jesus' idea for the body of Christ, for the church, that he would be filled with the Spirit. God, fill us with your Holy Spirit again. In our own prayer life, in our prayer closet, we need to pray that prayer. Paul says in Ephesians, you know, don't be drunken with wine, we're in his excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. You know, when you lose your prayer time, when you lose your, 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 you lose your joy, because when you lose your prayer time, you lose that, that anointing presence of the Holy Spirit that comes upon you as a person, not as a church, but as a person, so that you are then equipped to be able to function and worship God in spirit and in truth and sing and make melody in your heart, whether you can sing in tune or off tune like I do, you know, or in tune like my wife, but, you know, it's like, or Andrew, I mean, Andrew and Pam, they both do so very, very well. You're blessed, and we're so pleased and proud of them and happy with everything they're doing, even here in this church and before. But I do know this, that what a joy it is, whether you can sing in tune or off tune, to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Because it's something that comes from inside. It's a song. Praise God. If you sing, sing anywhere else, sing in the shower. I mean, you know, just, you know, when you're all by yourself. And so let her go. Then there's rapture joy. So there's redemption joy, resurrection joy, Holy Spirit joy. Jesus knew there was coming a time when he was going to come back for his church. And we look forward and anticipate that, that there's someday going to be a rapture. 
that the church is going to be caught away, that we who are alive and remain are going to be caught up, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Hallelujah. So whether we go by way of the grave or whether we go by way of the rapture, it's a joyful thing to look forward to. I always associate this area with my, with my, aunt, my aunt Ruby, and I guess she was Ruby Smith, and she was married to Stuart Lewis, who was my mother's brother. And so I uh, know they're buried out here in Sandy something or other in a, you know, in a cemetery out there and uh, down towards New Bandon area. And so I just know this, that someday, praise the Lord, someday the rapture is going to take place. And the dead in Christ, they're going to rise first. And we who are alive and remain, praise the Lord. And up we're going to go. There we're going to be. And it's with joy, with confidence that we stand on the promises of God, that with joy we look forward to those days. We said that there will be a, a great joy-filled celebration called the marriage feast of the Lamb to an eternity with God and without sin. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That which is a snare has fallen away. Jesus knew about rapture joy when he hung on the cross. And then there's reunion joy. I've reflected a little bit on that already, but Jesus was dying on the cross and leaving the disciples and Mary, his mother, and experiencing death because he was making a way for death to be defeated. He knew that with death defeated, there would be a reunion day. Hallelujah. That with death defeated, there would be a reunion day. Praise the Lord. And Jesus promise of eternal life in John chapter 3 and verse 16 this for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but would have everlasting life there was going to be a reunion day that was going to sound and that we were going to experience that he was he was looking forward to he recognized all of those things all of those joys. So for the joy that was set before him, he identified with, with the church. He himself knew what was going to happen in the future, but he identified with the church, and he knew that there was going to be thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people that are going to be born and that are going to be born again and that are going to become a part through the centuries of the church of Jesus Christ. And he knew that there was coming a day when we would stand together in the throne room of God and worship around the throne of the Father before that great white throne. And Jesus, hallelujah, would knew that that would the joy of that hour and the provision of that hour and the thrill of that hour that we yet have in the future, that we have as a promise and that we have as, a, as an earnest of the, Holy, the gift of the Holy Spirit, as, a, as a, an earnest as a guarantee that it is actually going to happen, that it is actually going to take place. And that's one of the joys that, the, that Jesus experienced and knew as he was upon the cross. Hallelujah. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Hallelujah. And you're a part of that. You're, you're a member of that body. You're a part of it. I don't know what part we are in the, uh, the eternal significance, but I know the part that we play when God calls us and leads us by his Holy Spirit to do our best in something that he puts in front of us as an opportunity. And when we do it, we become an integral part of God's eternal purpose, not only in our life and in the body of Jesus Christ, and, but we become an integral in, in part or a purpose or, or of the God's purpose in other people's lives in this community, whether it's something to do with your Terry Fox or whether it has something to do with the youth or, or, or I, I, we saw that advertisement for the skate park thing that Jim was talking about online. Uh, you know, all we know is this, 
that when you do what God has called you to do with all of your heart, with, in the name of Jesus Christ, there is an eternal result, praise God. I see Sister McMinn here this morning. God bless her, you know, for what she has done and is doing, you know, with teaching in Africa and around the world. And, you know, I just say, God, God bless that because that's a part of what Jesus looked forward to. I see, I, I see you know, Della and Bob here this morning. God bless them you know, friends from many, many years, and we know and understand, and many of the rest of you, but we know and understand that that's all a part of what Jesus saw, knew, understood, and it caused him joy. He took joy when he recognized that you were going to be his hand extended. You were going to be his voice to talk to a neighbor. You were going to be the, 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 his his hand that reached out and prayed with someone and brought them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, that you were going to have children and grandchildren and you were going to, they were going to be sanctified and set apart because of your influence and because of your example and because of the, of, of the grace of life that God put in your heart and put in your mouth and th that you would be, have an eternal result. So here today, here today we look back and we celebrate Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem, riding upon the colt of a donkey. And, and this is a week before the cross. And we see the crowds made way for Jesus as he, and his disciples. They waved palm branches and shouted, and Mark tells us, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They threw their coats and their clothes and their branches down on the dusty road with Jesus, and they rejoiced. Luke tells us that they brought him to cry, they, 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 uh, they brought the, the donkey to Jesus and they threw their own clothes on the colt and then they set Jesus on him and he went and many spread their clothes on the road. In verse 37, as he was now drawn near the, the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen. Verse 38 saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord peace in heaven and glory in the highest. I, I, I go to that because it's an atmosphere of earthly praise and earthly worship and acclamation that focused on Jesus as he was coming into Jerusalem for the Passover. As this was happening, he looked upon them, and I think it says that they, they with praise, the disciples and the crowd both together shouted the praise of Jesus and the praise of God. He looked, and, and with me, if you could picture that there was, a, he recognized the spirit of rejoicing. He recognized the joy. We ask ourselves, what was the level of that joy? And, and I think we'd have to say that it was, there were elements of prophetic fulfillment that were there. And therefore, there is a, there is a, a, a significance that has recorded it even for us to read about today. But there was human, there was a human element there that, that didn't understand the whole significance of what was happening, but bought into it and said, this is real, and I want to be a part of it. And, and they began to celebrate, and they had a celebration. So I don't know if it was, if it was a, a, a real big spiritual event, but it was a time of joy, of rejoicing. Whether it was at a human level, you know, that, that's okay. It's okay to get all wound up and enthused and, 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 and excited. You know, we always kind of smile when we see Pam making announcements or doing her thing, you know, with getting excited. And, and anyhow, that's, you know what I mean. 
If you're watching today, Pam, God bless you. We love you. But Jesus saw the light of enthusiasm and joy, you know, in the face of these people as they sang praises. He heard the songs as they waved their branches. He knew that he was witnessing earthly joy being demonstrated on his behalf. He knew that he was going to give them heavenly joy that would fill their hearts for all of eternity. He knew that there was, an, we'll call it an earthly joy that they were experiencing, but he knew that he was going to provide them with a heavenly joy. Hallelujah. You know, the joy of the Lord, the prophet said, is our strength. And joy is an important thing. Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 5, I believe it is, verse 22, which is, he says that uh, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, goodness, gentleness. And so joy is right up there after love. So love, a lot of people talk about love, but joy, joy, joy is important. And so we find that, that today, the heavenly joy that Jesus experienced, he wants you to experience. And there is room in our heart, in our life, for others to experience that joy. So this morning, we talk about the joy that was set before Jesus Christ. He endured the cross, despising the shame. He is the author, he was the finisher of our faith. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Does it bring into focus the person of Jesus Christ, the reality of the person of Jesus Christ today, who's aware of you and he's aware of me. And he invites us to come boldly before his throne of grace because there's a place that we can come, a place that is reserved for us in a, in a prayer closet or at an altar in the presence of God where we have freedom of access and we're able to say, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ, your son, because I understand, I know, and I believe that you died on the cross for me and gave your life so that I might be forgiven, that the burden of sin might roll away and I might be made a new person in Christ Jesus. So this morning, we just want to ask you this morning, have you come, this is not a new message. I don't believe this is a new message probably to anyone here. Have you come to that point in your life where you say, yes, you know something? God's been speaking to my heart. And I understand, Pastor, what you're saying. And I know that I'm at a point in my life where I need to make a decision, where I need to surrender my heart and my life to God. And I recognize that Jesus is the way. Jesus is the answer. I would ask you this morning to consider that today is a day where God, in his provision, in his love, in his grace, is making this real to you because he wants you to make a decision to accept him as your personal Lord and Savior. Could we bow our hearts in prayer this morning? I'll ask the musicians to come. Father, we're so grateful this morning that we can bow in your presence. We're thankful, O oh God, for your love. We're thankful for your provision. We're thankful, O oh God, for the cross 
upon which Jesus, you died and took my place. We're so glad, O oh God, that you looked upon it and Jesus, you saw it with joy, knowing the joy that was set before you. Hallelujah. As our heads are bowed this morning, I just want to ask a very simple question. Is this a day in which you know you need to give your heart to Jesus? God is speaking to you. You say, Pastor, yes, today is, it's time. It's time. Just slip your hand up right where you are. I'd like to see you and know you. Thank you. Others this morning, you know it's time. God has been speaking to your heart. You should not put it off, but now is the hour. Hallelujah. Let's bow our hearts in prayer. I want to pray for this person that raised their hand. Father, in the name of Jesus, we give you praise and we give you thanks. We thank you, Father, for your word, and we thank you, Father, for the work of your Holy Spirit that touches our lives and woos us and opens our understanding and brings us to a place of knowing you and of worshiping you. We ask your blessing upon this entire congregation and all that are scattered around the country watching online. And I pray, Father, that you will strengthen them and encourage and bless them and empower them to serve you well. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. We pray for this one, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you'll continue the work in their life, in their heart, as they surrender their heart and their life to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise God. Let's all stand together and uh, I'm going to lead you in something, the music. I'm going to step down here and uh, slip your hand. If you'd like to come for prayer, I would invite you to come. Or if you want to come and surrender your heart to Christ, I would like to invite you to come right now. Would you come? Yes. Hallelujah, Jesus.